welcome to Off Trail Learning. This is Blake Bowles. If you are a young person and you want to stop going to regular school, you need to convince your parents. In most states, if you're under age 16, they pretty much control your educational destiny. And short of going on hunger strike, you don't have many options if they're not behind you. Uh, after age 16, it's a different story. There's many ways you can legally uh, stop going to high school. But if you are under age 16, or even those of us who are 16 or 17, and we want our parents' blessings, um, if they are not already kind of in, attuned to these ideas of alternative education and self-directed learning and unschooling, then it's going to take some convincing, some lobbying, some uh, education of one's parents. And so we're going to talk today with Caitlin, who's 15, and who just a few years ago went through this process of convincing her parents to let her homeschool. And Caitlin already had fairly open parents. You know, they were receptive to this idea. And a lot of the guests on this podcast have similar situations. Their parents were either actively promoting unschooling or something like that from a young age, or they were very friendly to it. And I think that's for a good reason, because if they had parents who were totally against it, they probably would not have ended up becoming unschoolers or full-time self-directed learners, and they wouldn't have ended up on the podcast, therefore. So it's a tough situation, but if you can pick up some of the tips and tricks and attitudes of those who have successfully convinced their parents, then you have a better shot of winning over your own parents. So this one is for you, teenagers. Uh, Good luck. My guest today is Caitlin Scheel, age 15, from Austin, Texas, and a somewhat recent convert to homeschooling or unschooling or what she calls self-schooling. So welcome, Caitlin. Thanks for having me on. I wanted to talk about your educational journey and specifically focus on your attempt to convince your parents to let you homeschool after being unhappily in school for a while. So why don't you start us from the beginning? Uh, yeah. So I was traditionally public schooled until a few weeks into eighth grade. And the summer leading up to eighth grade, I had a couple of homeschooled friends and they were like, well, if you're unhappy, why don't you try out homeschooling? And my parents were already okay with homeschoolers. They were not so unschooler pro, but they were like well, if it works for them, it works. So I started researching kind of how do homeschoolers get into college? How do homeschoolers do, you know, like physics? I mean, your parent can't teach you that. These are all the advantages of homeschooling. Here are all the disadvantages. Just kind of leaving articles around the house for them. Like, hey, this should be cool. And then I you left articles about like how homeschoolers get into college. Just you printed them out and left them around the house. Yeah, like I'd put them on the fridge or something (laughs) with like keywords highlighted. (laughs) So that's what unschooling parents typically do, except, you know, for their kids. It's called strewing, just leaving (laughs) potentially interesting things out there. So you you were an anti-strewer. You you strewed stuff for your parents so they would discover the virtues of of home education. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I love it. Okay, thanks. Continue. 
So then I got really intense about it leading up to school, which is I was like, I really, really don't want to go back. I don't like any of the extracurriculars because I went to a very small school. So I had like, you could play an instrument or do paper mache. And those are basically your options. And this was a small public school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about, your, before we jump into the, the phase of this summer, really wanting to get out of it, like what kind of a school was it? What kind of a student were you in school? What was your relationship to school? I was a straight A student from like, from kindergarten till I left. So I made all A's, very overachiever, you know, AP classes, you know, store hundreds a- on a- placement tests. AP classes, and this was before eighth grade? Yes. Wow. So okay. Advanced. Yeah. So that was sixth and seventh grade. I was in advanced placement classes. So straight A student, you got all the gold stars, you got all the rewards, all the praise that comes with school. What was the problem? I was very, very bored because it was just easy. I was, I think I learned more reading on my own because I was taking, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade English and reading college level books while I was doing that. So it seemed classes were pointless and you got punished for reading in math and science and you got punished for doing math and science and English if you'd ar- even if you'd already finished your work. So I spent eight hours a day sitting around not learning anything. Did you have anyone who was on your side? Any advocates, you know, friendly teachers, uh, counselors? The vice principal of the school was always had always liked me, but she couldn't really do anything except say, you know, you could try for this club or start this or do this, you know, summer program. She, I didn't have anyone that could actually help me within the system. A lot of Band-Aid fixes instead of dealing with the core issue of like you being bored and unengaged for most of your day. Yeah. Okay, so uh, were you not considering any alternatives until you met these homeschooled friends uh, in seventh grade? Well, I had, I had actually had multiple homeschooled friends when I was al- when I was like eight. So I'd already knew what homeschooling was and how their day kind of played out. But I was still in the. They were always they were like the classic homeschoolers. You know, you're doing worksheets six hours a day your mom has a chalkboard hung up in the kitchen so that didn't really appeal to me to do the same things just at home does that seem like the worst of both worlds no (laughs) friends and you're still doing really boring (laughs) yes i agree but i met a couple more as i start when i met The homeschoolers in seventh grade, they were older, and so they had much more control over what they were doing, even if they were having to do it at their parents, you know. Like, they could choose Western civilization over U.S. history. Like, they at least had some minor control over what they were learning. I imagine that appealed to you, but it sounds like you were really concerned with having control over your time. And so is that an appealing part of homeschooling also just being able to like do the work as fast as you want and then be done and do something else? Yes, that's actually, I'm actually graduate, air quote, graduating two years early, having, doing all of kind of 
So I'll be done with high school in two years. And so I knew I could do that going in. I knew, hey, I could do this in literally half the time if I really wanted to. And this is just going to be an awful waste of time. And I'm not going to learn anything. So yes, time-wise, that was definitely one of the biggest motivators for me getting out before I started high school. And just to clarify, you're 15 now, and so you're mm-hmm. saying that you're you're two years ahead at this point. So it's kind of like you're in your senior year of high school, and you're going to be done uh, w- within a number of months. Yes, I'm in my senior year of high school, basically. Yeah. Got it. Great. Let's get back to the story about the the summer before eighth grade when you are desperately trying to get your parents to let you homeschool. So I did the articles and I was kind of throwing it around, you know, hanging out with my homeschooled friends more, trying to see what they what they were doing, trying to get our parents to, you know, interact, just kind of easing them into this idea. And then as August kind of came to a close and school was starting up, I was make, I made a file of everything I had gathered over the summer that I hadn't already given them. And I had like a flow chart and kind of a comparison. These are the pros. These are the cons. Look how long the pros list is. The cons list is small. And I've come up with solutions to solve all of the, <laughs> these problems. <laughs> what, what medium was this in? Was this on a whiteboard? Was this a PowerPoint presentation? It was in an old... They, it was printed out, and my dad had these, like, page, like, clear page protectors. So I put them all in these clear protectors and put them in a binder. So it was a binder with, you know, like, color-coded tabs. Like, first tab is pros, second tab is cons. Here are my solutions. Here's what I've already wanted to do. Here's what, you know, first month's plan, daily schedule that I would want to follow. Wow, kind of a breakdown. It's like you're writing a business proposal. Well, to me, it was a business proposal. I was proposing that my mom give up all of her free time. You know, I was proposing, hey, you don't get the house to yourself anymore. So I really need to make this worth your while. <laughs> uh, what were on the pros and cons list? The pros were, you know, save time. I can learn at my own pace. I can learn more, more efficiently, I can sleep at a a normal schedule because we rode the bus. So we were always getting up ridiculously early and coming home ridiculously late. And so, and then I think I had other things like, I'll be happier because I'm not in such an unnatural environment. And I think I, I put a bunch of buzzwords in there that I just kind of Googled. So, and then my cons list was, you know, it was like stereotypical cons. Homeschoolers don't have any socialization. Homeschoolers are, you know, they get cut off from the pop culture. And then I proposed solutions, like I would go to clubs or I would form my own club and stuff like that. And then I think one of them was that it was actually harder to get into college. I was under the impression that I'd have to do more to make up for being homeschooled. And then it turns out that was totally false. But, <laughs> but at the time, that was on the cons list. And I proposed, you know, getting my GED, doing community college for two years before going to university. 
How do you imagine your parents would have reacted to your proposition if you had not put together these materials and not done all this research? Well, I'd already done it the year before. I had kind of said, hey, can I be homeschooled? And they were like, no. And I'm like, okay, all right then. <laughs> Did <laughs> so they give already, you a reason with the no or just a, a flat no? They, it was just kind of a why in the world? What are you even talking about? Of That's course ridiculous. not. <laughs> yeah. You can't just drop out. I mean, you're in seventh grade. So you came back for round two and you brought reinforcements. Yeah. What do you think was most effective in this this proposal that you put together for your parents? Uh, maybe something that they commented on as being like, wow, you really changed our minds with this, Caitlin. I think it was literally putting together the proposal, showing that I had the initiative to do really thorough research that I was actually dedicated because I had done hours of putting this together and like all summer long. So I sacrificed my only free time at that point to making, to doing this. And I think just showing that self-driven, that drive really helped them understand, oh, she's serious. She's young, but she literally just gave up three days in a row of fun trips and stuff to make sure that she had this all put together and organized. Did you do all this work in secret or did they know that you were putting this together? I don't know how much they know. They knew, to be honest. I mean, I was on their computers, so they knew I was doing something. And I mean, I was leaving articles around. So I think they connected the dots, but I don't think they expected such an organized approach you know, putting it all together, color coding, pros, cons, organization, flow to it. And just for the record, you didn't use any more CD tactics like locking all the doors and throwing away the keys or uh, threats or bribes or anything <laughs> like that. I may have made cookies with the proposal. Ooh. There may have been some baking involved in convincing them. And were these chocolate chip cookies? Yes, Mac of course. Jo okay, great. Just That's an important detail for our <laughs> listeners, I think. And how? what was the discussion like when you gave them the proposal and you sat down and had the heart-to-heart? -heart? It was just a straight up, I literally kind of ran down a mental list. I'm unhappy in school. I have maybe one good friend that I would actually want to be with outside of the school environment, kind of, I hate my teachers, I hate all of this, and they already kind of knew this. I wasn't, I was an unhappy seventh grader. And so they were like, well, let us think it over. It's kind of up in the air right now. But, so it took them a while to come around to it. How, I think. A few weeks, maybe? Three weeks, yeah, because I, I kind of pitched it right before school was starting, and then three weeks into eighth grade, it was, they, I, I got the all clear. <laughs> you got the parental rubber stamp. And, and did you not go back to school the following day? No. They, it took a while. They were like, okay, we're letting you out. We need to get kind of paperwork sorted. I need to, like, you know... What do we need to do for the this school in particular to get this to happen? Okay, so there's a little transition period. Yeah, there's yeah. about 
three days, I think. Yeah, because I uh, they said yes. Uh, they said yes on Wednesday, and then Friday. That Friday was my last day. Hey, that's a pretty good turnaround time, right there. Yeah, yeah. And what was in your proposal as to uh, your first month? You said that you kind of outlined your activities that you'd be doing f- for the first month. I'm just curious how much structure you were proposing to give yourself. Well, at that time, I was kind of over, I was trying to shoot high and ease them into unschooling. So I had, I had, we had an old kind of college English textbook. And so I was proposing that I do that for English. And then there was a few online courses that I said, hey, these, we can try these out. And I think I had a couple of other I had like a vocabulary book from school that I proposed to just keep doing. I ended up not doing any. I did the English. I did do the English textbook, but because it turns out that that was actually kind of interesting to me. But I shot high and I didn't end up actually following most of it. Just because <laughs> we 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 started, we started doing this, and my mom's like, "This is worse than school." And I'm like, "Yeah, it really is." And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> revamp." And was so, your mom playing facilitator or, or teacher in this process? Is that why she said this is worse than school because she had to be the teacher? That was part of it. It turns out that when you have a textbook, the textbook doesn't grade itself or check to see if you're like learning anything at all. There's no. She had no way of knowing without actually manually checking in on me if I was doing anything at all. And so she was like, this is why, no, we're not doing this. And so we went to bookstores and stuff, and she was like, so get whatever you want. And by that point, I was like, well, why don't I just do most of this online and just kind of keep online records? Hey, I read this today or whatnot. And so we ended up not we now I have no paper coursework. All of it's online. So I'm so point, glad to hear that. You've gone paperless. <laughs> it was it was a struggle to go paperless because I was still in I call it the schooled okay, I don't call it. Other people call it the schooled mindset where I'm like, well, they do it like this in school, so obviously that's how it should be done. And so it took a few months and me like, this is stupid to figure out, oh, there's like this whole online world that makes it 30 times easier. So what do you use to track your work online? I'm curious. I use the task manager Asana. Mm -hmm. And so I have all of the courses I'm working on kind of set to repeat every day. So so when I wake up, I have kind of a to-do list of goals I want to do. And that helps me. And if I don't do it for like three days in a row, it doesn't pop up every day. It says this was due three days ago. And so it helps me make sure that I'm not overdoing English, which is that was one of the early problems I had was I did history in like three months instead of, you know, I did it in like half the time. And then I was behind in math and science for the rest of the year. Well, it doesn't sound like a problem to me, but maybe for uh, the Asana program, it is a problem. Um, So what do you consider yourself now? It sounds like you're using uh, lots of different curriculums and doing stuff that would be considered still fairly formal uh, coursework or academics. Uh, Do you use the word 
homeschooler? Do you use the word unschooler? I like to go with self-schooler because all of it's done by me, kind of. Okay, so it's done by me. I choose it, and my parents put in their input as well. But day-to-day, I'm all on my own. But I do have more structure than a usual unschooler would, I believe. So, uh, well, this is something we talked about before our conversation. I'm of the belief that unschooling and structure can coexist as long as you are voluntarily choosing these structures. And it sounds like that's what you're doing too. But I'm curious when you say that I make these choices and my parents also have input, I'm curious who has final veto power? Is it you or is it your parents? It depends. There have been some instances like I wanted to totally stop doing any math and my dad was like, I'm sorry, but you have, I don't care if you do like a philosophy class on math, but you, I feel like it's important that you at least do, you know, basic algebra. And so in that case, they called final veto. But then one last year, I was like, I want to do two English courses and two history courses and only a semester of math and science. They were like, okay, fine. You you can have that if that's what you want. So it kind of varies. Overall, I can say no, but a few things they have forcefully suggested <laughs> I take to heart. <laughs> Forceful suggestions. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think... Uh, based on the the people who I know and who I work with, you would fall under the realm of unschooling or relaxed homeschooling, kind of like mixed or eclectic homeschooling. Uh, it's not completely parent-directed, but parents do have a little bit of forceful suggestion power, <laughs> and they, they use the occasional veto power. Um, cool. So self-schooling. Uh, how do you feel about using the word school in general? Does that kind of get under your skin at all? I feel like people, I don't personally conflate schooling with education, but if you say I'm self-educated, everyone assumes you've dropped out and you don't do anything. So I, I don't like that people conflate the word, like the physical place known as school with actually being educated. Amen, sister. <laughs> but I just use, I mean... I like to keep it, um, I call it public, public approved. So if I say homeschooling, self-schooling, they're like, oh, so you do this, but at home. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sure. That, that will end <laughs> this conversation, which benefits nobody except you uh, more quickly. So what uh, are you working on right now? Give me a sense of your self-schooled curriculum. So I was recently accepted into Praxis. So I've started more business marketing courses online. And, and those for, are just... For those who don't know about Praxis, can you give us the quick intro? Oh, it's a nine-month uh, business apprenticeship program. You do a three-month education boot camp, six months in a startup. In a, Most people are in a sales or development role. And then at the end of it, you get offered a full-time job with the startup. And that one of the co-founders of that is Isaac Morehouse, who was previously on the podcast talking about Praxis. 
Okay, so you got Praxis. What else do we have? We, I do math and I do chemistry and algebra two and physics on Khan Academy. I really like that because um, it gives me a way to. There's online tests and you know tutorials and help if I need it. So and my parents don't have to even ask if I'm doing it. It all tracks itself. Um, I'm doing Western Civilization 2 on the Ron Paul Homeschool curriculum that's taught by Tom Woods. And then I'm taking Intro to Austrian Economics on Liberty Classroom. Cool. Lots of different venues for your online mm-hmm. learning. Uh, how much of your learning, Caitlin, is informal, not through a, a class, not associated with a traditional academic subject? The majority, I would say, I mean, I read a few books every, I read a lot. So I read just, I follow a bunch of blogs. So I read all of that. So that's where I get most of my economics kind of real world learning from. I read biographies, autobiographies, you know, treatises, uh, looking at my shelf, I'm reading right now. I'm reading Atlas Shrugged. I'm reading Ender's Game. So I read fiction, nonfiction, anything I can get my hands on, really. And you say that's the majority of your learning mm-hmm. oh. is just straight up reading. Classic self education. Yeah. And you do some writing too. I, I actually found you through Facebook and quickly discovered. Your website, teenagefreedomwriter.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about that. So that was actually started for a business course I took last year, and I didn't do much with it. But I recently picked that back up after talking with some of the Praxis people. They were like, "Well, the easiest way to get better at writing is to just write," and so I just started writing, and that's been a challenge because I realized. Formal school taught writing is much different than blogging or any other form of writing. Or, or writing for any human beings whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. A- outside of the out academy. People don't want really fancy phrases if you can say it in one word. <laughs> There's no extra credit for SAT words in yeah. the real world. So that's been an adventure unto itself. Um, what I've enjoyed reading on your website are the posts about your journey, your educational journey itself. And there's a lot of self-reflection and self-assessment. Uh, and there's a lot of positivity on it too. Uh, your recent posts have been you know, extremely positive. You seem to love your life right now unless, I'm, unless you're just making all that up to, to please people, maybe your parents. No. Getting accepted. So I got accepted into practice. I got my blog post shared on Facebook a lot. I got a lot of attention on that. I'm launching a few other projects right now that are looking like they're going to be really successful. My school is perfect. I finally got kind of my people. My tribe is all coming together. So I'm going to have an awesome year if I keep (laughs) at it like this. So I am actually extremely positive. (laughs) Well, I'm rooting for you. And something that I noticed is, you know, you sound so excited about having your blog post shared on Facebook. And uh, 
to me, that represents the power of doing work that's actually shared with with the world. And that means your world, right? Your your friends, mm-hmm. your contacts, your whatever your Facebook network is. Uh, whereas in school, if you write something, even if it's awesome, who's going to read it? It's going to be your teacher, maybe another student, maybe your parents. You know, you can count the number of people on one hand. Mm-hmm. But if you write something awesome on Teenage Freedom Writer and it gets shared around Facebook with all these strangers who you've ne- never met before, uh, to me, I, that just feels so much more validating, so much more satisfying than than what happens in school. Well, it shows that I actually wrote something worth reading. Because you can't test if it was worth reading if the only people that read it had to read it. And with a blog post, no one had to click on my blog. No one had to do anything. They voluntarily decided, hey, this looks interesting. (laughs) And what's next for you, Caitlin, after you finish your your formal high school? I I suppose you're going to get some sort of homeschool diploma uh, at the end of this year. Uh, What's going to happen after that? So I start Praxis next fall, winter. So in between graduating and starting Praxis, I'm probably going to do kind of just work, you know, work a couple of odd jobs just to see, kind of narrow down my professional interest a little more. I hope to do a little bit of traveling before I start Praxis, just because it'll probably be the last totally free you don't have to do anything you don't want to at all ever that i'll be for a while yeah because then you'll be entering the indentured servitude which is the praxis internship (laughs) i'm so sorry for you uh yeah that won't be as fun as i as i think (laughs) come on it's gonna be great (laughs) yeah it'll be great and i'll at the end of it i'll be like thank god I've learned so much and now it's over and now I'm actually making money and I can actually have financial freedom. And you'll be age 16, maybe 17 at this point? I will be 17 at that point, yeah. And being able to think seriously about having financial independence or at least less dependency on your parents? Well, I'll have a full-time job making a minimum of 40000 a year, so... <laughs> I'll be pretty darn financially independent. uh, It took me until my early 30s to make that amount of money per year, Caitlin. So uh, I I applaud you. And (laughs) I'm a little bit jealous that you'll be doing that at age 17. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. And is there a way that people can reach out to you if they're interested in discussing your path with you or your strategies for convincing your parents to let you homeschool? Well, you can always go to my blog, TeenageFreedomWriter.com, and I've put my email, TeenageFreedomWriter, at gmail.com, so you can email me there. Um, that's You could message me on Facebook or go to my Facebook page, Teenage Freedom Writer, and message me on Facebook, email. Those are the, I'll get back to you within a few hours, most likely. Ooh, big promise. All right. This this podcast episode is never going to disappear, so I hope you're ready to <laughs> to live up to that promise until you are very, very old. Except when I'm in indentured servitude, then I might not get <laughs> back to you for a while. <laughs> uh, voluntarily chosen indentured servitude. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Caitlin. It's been a pleasure. Awesome.
If you enjoyed this ad-free podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can write a review on iTunes. You can share it on social media. You can email it to someone who might benefit from it. Or you can support it directly with a per-episode donation at offtraillearning.com slash support.